welcome to the Age of Organizational Effectiveness. This is the podcast that explores stories about organizations and their performance. I'm your host, Charles Chandler. Today, we're at episode 97, and it's titled, Finding Clarity in Business. This episode continues our occasional series in which we interview business leaders to gain insight into new ideas. Today, our guide will be Dolores Hirschman. I'm now joined by Dolores Hirschman, who is a writer, a coach, and a business leader. Good morning, Dolores. How are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you for having me, Charles. It's great to have you with us. And today we're going to be talking about the idea method, uh, which is a way to help business owners gain clarity by identifying their core idea. Tell us how you got into that, Dolores. Yes, um, <laughs> probably because of as a business owner, I kept, I kept asking the same questions. I kept sitting at my desk and wondering what is the best use of my time today. Especially as I started my first business, you know, at the very beginning when I was just me, it was very hard to get really clear of what my business needed at that moment. And as I started growing and, and as, I, as I work with organizations, that is kind of been the pattern that I've seen that everybody will say, you know, things are not going well. Uh, we need to revamp the website. We need to start a marketing campaign. We need to redo the product, right? It's just kind of an emotional reaction to a feeling of confusion. And the idea method is really a process that I've designed. I'll tell you a little bit about the background in a minute. But for entrepreneurs and business owners to not just throw the baby in the bathwater every time they're feeling that things are not going well or that they're seeing, because it's easy to know when things are going well when you look at the numbers in a business, when, when things are not going the way they, that the business owner wants, it's a, it's a, a methodology of self-assessment and then taking action. Yeah, so business leaders are pulled in so many directions, as you mentioned, first here and there, and then the new shiny um, you know, object <laughs> comes into view, and, uh, and you go off down that rabbit hole. Yes. But how do, you, how do you identify, let's say, a core idea, which is, which is part of the idea method? So this methodology was born out of my work. It's funny how sometimes things come through, right? I was volunteering as a TEDx organizer running my event. And in, in the TED world, if you ever have seen any TED Talks, you know that these talks are really, really brief, under 18 minutes or, or less. And, um, and that they're talks that are anchored in one core idea that the speaker wants to bring forth. And in doing that work as a volunteer, I realized how hard it is for even speakers who have do it, been doing and speaking about the work for many years, when I've asked them to, to kind of summarize and tell me, okay, what is the one idea that your work is based on? They had a hard time. And so I kind of translated that into businesses and I started asking, and kind of testing out into the market which idea, which companies you could tell that they were anchored in a core idea and that through time, while the way that idea manifested might have evolved, they were still loyal or anchored in that same idea. Let me give you an example. For example, Amazon. Amazon, you know, what do you think is Amazon's core idea? I always talk about this because it's fascinating. What, do, what would you think is Amazon's core idea? Well, um, 
you know, what comes to mind for me, Amazon is big. It's, it's a big river and it's sort of, uh, I, I think about the Amazon in South America, I guess, but, um, you know, you could take that different ways, of course. Yeah. Well, so I've been watching Amazon since it was born um, in 1997 because in 1996, I was already working in the digital marketing world. And Amazon's core idea, despite of what people people say, people who know Amazon's history would say, oh, it's an online bookstore that then added more products, or it's the biggest um, retailer in the world online, or whatever they might say. Well, the truth is that Amazon's core idea, and it actually is patented, is the one-click checkout. One-click checkout is something that they is, that they incorporated right at the beginning of their of, of their launch in 1997, and it was the first website that could allow you to check out without a headache. Because back then, like buying anything online was so complex. Like the user experience was just you know insane, and they designed a way to quickly purchase what you bought. Uh, in a very easy way. And so if you think about it, they've stayed really true to that core idea, which is to make purchasing online really easy. That's actually their core idea. And they've even enhanced it with things like Prime or you know all the other things that they've added. And they keep adding products to sell, but that's just making it bigger. They're still honoring their core idea. You see, you see the difference? Yeah, it's about the customer journey and shortening that to the extent possible. Uh, and certainly uh, when they started, um, the customer journey for most of these uh, checkout uh, things online was, was a real a real problem. Well, I know, yeah. 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 So that's interesting. And so, so in the idea method, that's the work that I do. I, I help businesses really understand, okay, at the end of the day, if we remove the products and services, what is the original core intention for this company to exist? It's sort of like and, the, the brand promise, you could say, uh, in a way. You, yeah, you could say it's a brand promise. It is absolutely, as you know, you're right on and that it's absolutely an outside-facing kind of statement. And it's the, the, the reason for existing kind of the core problem that they seek to solve. Yeah. And so... When we clarify that, and by the way, the core idea is at the base of the idea method, like everything else in the idea method is is kind of, it's like a domino. Once you have your core idea, then you can identify your, your unique proprietary system, is that when in a, in a world that is so fast, where, as you said, business owners are being thrown in a hundred million different directions, and we do have the shiny object which you mentioned, which sometimes is called the squirrel, Right, like, oh, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll put an app for that, I'll just add this platform for whatever, because people are doing it. And and this is a great tool and a framework because it forces you to, to ask, okay, is that shiny object or that new technology that I could incorporate into my business, is that allowing me to honor this core idea or will it distract me? Yeah. So when you actually look at some of the ideas that entrepreneurs put out there, how do you really separate the wheat from the chaff in, in a sense? Uh, is it 
we're looking for a tangible idea that has value for the customer, some evident value. And what are the sort of indicators that this, this idea is a core idea that can, you know, serve our brand promise? Yeah. So, so, so the core idea becomes a, the, the heart of your business. And in that, there's two parts to a core idea as I, as I teach it in the framework that I teach it is two actions. So that outcome. So if you were to, to verbalize back to the Amazon um, example is to create um, to create an easy interface, user interface, so that people can buy online in under two minutes, for example, or really fast. At the at the the, the core idea has in it the solution that the company is going to solve, and so basically. You've seen, you know, how do you separate companies that are really anchoring a core idea versus companies that are just throwing spaghetti to the wall, you might ask. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, will, you can def- identify them by companies who are maybe growing very fast, but then die really fast as well, meaning companies that are starting to, to come into the market, they do well um, serve, solving one problem, and then they start they decide to start solving many, many other problems and they diversify themselves too much, too broadly. They remove themselves from the reason for existing. And you, you probably can think of a few examples of these kinds of experiences. And uh, and then they die because at the end of the day, they've, they their brand has washed out and people don't really know what they're all about. Yeah. And so they become everybody to everyone, everything to everyone. And no longer can I count them to solve my unique problem. Yeah. So if I were going to drill down into mm-hmm. the Amazon core idea and you say it's about, let's say, being able to purchase something online in less than two minutes uh, and it's an outcome. Okay, I that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we talk on this podcast a lot about organizational effectiveness and we um, sort of conceptualize effectiveness in terms of outcomes on the demand side. So that means mm-hmm. it's behavior uh, of the customer that we can observe in the field uh, that indicates that they want what we're offering. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, in the case of Amazon, um, you know, in the before situation, it took a long time for a customer to make that journey to the purchase. Uh, now with Amazon and their brand promise, it's going to be easy and quick. Uh, so that's a that's a behavior. If, if uh, you know, if customers are then attracted attracted to that, and they become customers and they start buying online, that's a behavior we can observe, and it becomes a fulfillment of that that whole journey. There, does that resonate a bit with you? Absolutely, absolutely. And not only did they in 1997, not only did they draw the attention of all those people that were being frustrated by other shopping experiences and they these are people that were already buying online right they just went from buying over there to buying at amazon think about how amazon has been absolutely loyal if you want to that to solving that problem to the point that today is not just about buying something easily online it's about buying something in the least with the least amount of effort period online or offline and, the, and following your train of thought, Charles, you know, you observe that behavior by per, 
buyers who would go to the local store or Walmart or to the local retailer, like physically drive there and buy a product, they now are finding it's even easier to buy online and have it shipped by Prime. And it's changing the economy, like literally. Yeah. So can we move to a different example, perhaps, besides Amazon? Uh, what are some of the other um, examples that, that kind of bring this home? So I, I don't know how, how nationwide known is this brand, but let's talk about, for example, Friendly's Ice Cream. Do you know that brand? Yes, actually I do, because I used to live in the Northeast. Okay. So Friendly's Ice Cream is, the name says it, you would think of a Friendly's Ice Cream place, right? Yeah. But Friendly's Ice Cream is actually, I mean, it, became, it started with ice cream, but it became full-service kind of American cuisine restaurant. And it again, this is a, an opposite example of Amazon in some way, is that they were born to fulfill one need is good quality ice cream in you know um, in convenient locations and they expanded to be full serving restaurants um, so they which, kind of d diluted their their promise in a way ex well yeah exactly started saying okay if someone wants an ice cream I might as well sell them a burger right um, but the the name didn't change and the idea of who they were didn't change at first although if you knew about it then you would know that you could eat a burger there and so with time they didn't survive no. because I mean, I mean this is just my I don't have inside information about the company so uh, this is my outside observation but just as a simple example but the brand didn't survive in competition with other American cuisine restaurants because it was not positioned to serve that it was positioned for ice cream yeah I take your point um, and it actually just, I think it's fine. I think there's one, le I don't know, there's one left in my town, but most of them have closed. Yeah, I, I saw the same thing happen in Northern Virginia uh, when I used to live in the yeah. D.C. area. So you've got a lot of things going on, Dolores. Mm -hmm. You're a coach, you're a, a writer, you've got a couple of books out there, you help people get on the TED, the TED stage. How did you get started in, in this path? Yes, so I, um, I've been in business for all my life. I graduated from University of Argentina in Buenos Aires to, um, as a business degree, specializing on marketing on the internet back in 1996. And then for the most of my life, I've either been, I've worked with a nonprofit for many years on online uh, software, online education, and then started multiple businesses, you know, retail clothing and and software, like you name it, I've built it. And then l later when my, I have four children, and so I've always built businesses around the needs of my children when they were very young. And then as they grew up, I started being more of a consultant to companies. And there I realized that I could talk strategy until people were blue in the face, but I couldn't make them do it, implement it. So I went back to school for coaching and I'm an executive coach. And so, in the, it's been kind of a journey on exploration, but in, in, in everything I've done all my life, I've always asked myself, would I do this work for free all day long? And that really what that question means is, am I passionate about this work? Am I having fun? And is this the best use of my skills? 
because I believe that if you find something that it will do for free all day long, you're likely to make my, a lot of money doing it. And so in that questioning, I, I, I realized that what I'm really, truly passionate about is ideas and ideas that can be turned into successful, sustainable, growing companies. And so the TED space um, is an incubator of ideas in some ways. It's a place, it's a platform to communicate powerful ideas that can turn into movements um, and or companies. And so, so it kind of, the, the TED volunteering was part of me honoring what I love to do and what I love to support. And so, you know, sometimes, and as a coach, you know, I, I, I engage my clients in this kind of questioning, but sometimes you might take an action, you might commit to a project, not because it might be financially um, profitable or just because you're passionate about it, which was my my commitment to TEDx. But in doing so, I've learned so much about the needs, uh, about what I learned in that space and how it can be transferred into the business world and how much I loved helping people clarify their messages and their ideas so that their ideas would gain momentum. And so um, and so that's how it all came together. And today, I am still a coach, but I'm not the typical life coach or executive coach. I'm a coach for when the client is stuck, but most of the time, my time is spent as a strategist, whether it's one person or a team. No. And so I bring in the coaching to coach the human experience and the human behavior. But my focus is on the and making that baby of an idea grow wings. Yeah, I think we've all seen the TED Talks and it's a, it's a real challenge to keep that core idea under 18 minutes and to really convey it to the audience in a way that's impactful and that they really get it. And that whole process and working toward that talk and I think it's it's a great um, practice session for things that you're also doing in your business uh, because you need not only an elevator pitch but a bit of a longer pitch uh, that that conveys that that essence of what you do exactly I absolutely agree and I always say not everybody should use the TEDx stage the TED stage as a platform, it's not right for everybody, but everybody can benefit from writing their TED talk. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. So you grew up in Argentina. Correct. How, how did you make your way <laughs> to the United States? Uh, my, how did I do my slow boat all the way up the coast of the Atlantic? Um, <laughs> I, I actually, yes, I grew up in Buenos Aires. I lived there until I was 25. I just happened to be in Buenos Aires and my friend asked me to go out for dinner with this American that was in Buenos Aires as a tourist. Um, so it was not planned and we, my husband and I met in Buenos Aires. He was from the, from the New England area here in the US. And at the time I had just graduated from university and uh, he was he's eight years older than me so he was already settled in his work here. And I spoke English, he didn't speak Spanish, and we decided to start our family here. And so that's oh, yeah. literally what brought me here. Wow, yeah. So you were abducted in a way from I Argentina. Was kidnapped. I, my husband says he, he kidnapped and put me in a plane and you know, here I am. <laughs> right. And we have four children. <laughs> so 
we've talked a little bit about what you do and and how you came to be doing what you're doing. Tell us how people can find out more about what you do, and then um, any things we haven't talked about that you'd like to leave us with. Perfect. Yes, you can go to mastersinclarity.com, M-A-S-T-E-R-S, inclarity.com. You'll find free resources. You have, I think, a couple of my books can be downloaded for free. I believe that if you are leading a company, whether it's your own or you are in a role, a higher role of a CEO, you have a responsibility and a commitment to connect with the heart of that company, be loyal to it, and see its fullest potential. And it takes courage, it takes a lot of creativity, and if you're an entrepreneur, it takes a lot of personal development, but at the end of the day, the only thing that has ever moved us as humanity forward is positive ideas and innovation. Yeah, now positive ideas have a great uh, potential to, to move us all in the right direction. Uh, yeah. So it's been great having you with us today, Dolores. Wish you best in your journey. And uh, hopefully our listeners will be able to pick up some, some good things uh, on the website that you talked about. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye. And that's all for today's episode. I have provided the link that Dolores mentioned in my show notes. Just go to www.ageofoe.com, episode number 97, for that link. And tune in next time when we'll again consider stories about organizations and their performance. I'm your host, Charles Chandler. So long for now.